the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci and Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci and Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci and Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. The views and opinions expressed are based on current economic and market conditions and are subject to change. All investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, and investment advisor, Pat Fatucci of Fatucci & Associates. With over 30 years' experience in the world of finance and investment planning, Pat specializes in personal and corporate investment management with special emphasis on retirement planning. The House GOP approves a debt limit increase, but the Senate signals its DOA in their chamber. Meanwhile, the conference board's Consumer Confidence Index drops three points in April, reaching a nine-month low, signaling perhaps a softening of the jobs market, along with protracted inflation, is beginning to weigh on cost-weary consumers. Welcome once again to this edition of Don't Invest and Forget, the program that each and every week helps you keep your finger on the pulse of your money from Wall Street to Main Street to your wallet. Our host, 30-plus year financial manager and best-selling author, Pat Vitucci, and I'm Craig Roberts. Well, Pat, it seems to be to some degree sort of reminiscent of the 1930s attempt to try to pull America out of the Great Depression, that D.C. was trying this and trying that. But in the end, you just kind of have to let the economy do its thing. And I guess along the way, exercise tremendous degrees of patience. We Americans are not good at patience. We want things yesterday, and I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go out and do what I want to do, despite what the economy looks like. But you're right. The debate continues. Are we in a recession or are we not? All the economists are pontificating every day on CNBC, and some say we're heading down a slide. It's a head fake. It's a bear market rally. So you get a lot of conflicting opinions. We'll know in another couple of months if we really had a recession. I mean, certainly we've had two successive quarters of negative GDP. That is the perennial historical definition, despite what the politicians in Washington say. This is not a political show, but we've got to talk about how politics affects Wall Street. It ripples right up from Washington, D.C., up the coast to New York City. It has a meaningful effect. The Wall Street crowd loves gridlock so that nothing happens in Washington. A lot of beautiful, heartfelt speeches that are meaningless, all the friction coming out of Washington, D.C., how it affects the financial markets. So we've got some 
serious inflation issues globally. And when America sneezes, the rest of the world gets a cold. And that's kind of what we're, what we're seeing now. On the good news, oil is, is down to somewhere in the $80 a barrel. It was at 126 just a couple of short months ago. So we've got some leading and lagging indicators that are giving us mixed signals. China economy is slowing. They've adjusted their interest rates. Inflation continues to rage on despite oil coming down in price. Ukraine war with Russia continues to um, compound the problem, and those poor folks are getting bombed terribly in orphanages and maternity wards, hospitals, just being blitzed every day. So that war continues on, and it has ramifications around the globe. I think it's time to stay with the high-quality stocks. Don't get too aggressive with startups. If you noticed, IPOs this year are at a record low. So that kind of tells you the, the environment for creating new companies. The appetite is fairly, fairly low. Housing, I think we're in a recession. If housing isn't healthy, it cascades into other parts of the economy. The market can't figure out if we're in a bullish market or a bearish market. And so you get this bipolar view of the world and it becomes increasingly more difficult to read the tea leaves. It's confounding because you've got the Federal Reserve in the background being really data-driven, which is the smart way to, to look at life. But for the average investor, do you jump in? Do you jump out? Do you sit on the sidelines? It's confusing. And Jamie Dimon came out the other day and said, you know, he's hopeful for a soft landing, but inflation continues to be an issue. Uh, they watch unemployment numbers. Amazingly, they've been in the 3.5% range, which is not typical for a, quote, recession. So we've got this convoluted view of what a recession perhaps used to be. And we're, are we redefining what recession really looks like? Are we in a bear market? Is it is it bullish? Not unlike other market dips where, we, where we've seen a consistent negativity or consistent positivity. And it's an unusual period that we're in. You listen to 10 economists and five will say, we are absolutely going to have a soft landing. It's going to be wonderful. The second six months of 2023 is going to be very productive. And the other five of the 10 economists saying uh, we're in for our crash landing and China's going to take us over by the end of the year. And Putin and President Xi and China will collaborate and we will lose complete control of the economy. So we've got extreme views in the next 12 to 24 months. Some of them are pretty darn scary. You know, the more extreme your view is, the more microphones you get placed under you and and you get more attention and you get you get to be the top story on the six o'clock news or CNBC interviews you much more regularly because you have an extreme view and, and, you know, if it bleeds, it leads kind of thing. So if you, if you have some extreme view, it generates more viewership, which creates more advertising dollars. So the pendulum continues. So how does the average investor, Pat, delineate between the news and the noise and how do you know which is which? That's a great question. And it's a very subtle subliminal idea to really 
carve out the BS and how do you identify the BS from what's real? Always noise out there, and especially during volatile times, volume level goes up on the noise and the volume level on the, the real data tends to get muted out. We have an open media microphone system in this country that we live in, and that's the good news. That's also the bad news because we get convoluted egos that want to get their 15 minutes of fame. The noise level goes up. Hey, Pat, you've, you've mentioned before when the Fed raises the interest rates, that's supposed to help lower the inflation rate, right? That's that, the theory. Is that is that working? I, I don't know. I, it just you just keep seeing that inflation is going up and up, and it doesn't seem to matter what the Feds do with interest rates. So, you know, I don't know. That's just another big question mark. <laughs> well, compared to last year, Charlie, the actual inflation rate has subsided fairly substantially. Again, you, you look at trend lines. Inflation is slowing. Thankfully, it's slowing. It's it's only at six or seven. But you're right, it's still higher than prices we were paying for basic goods and services a year ago. And and hence you get politicians citing that from the opposing party saying, uh, are you better off today than when you were under a Republican? And so you get those comparisons. There's trend lines and there's leading and lagging indicators that take time to show their ugly truth. And so you get, you know, mortgage rates at 7% when... A year ago, there were, what, two and a half or so? Uh, so we've got glaring numbers on the surface of it that looks really bad today compared to a year ago. Now, speaking of mortgage rates, what's the 100-year average on mortgage rates? About 7%. But we were used to two and a half or three and a half percent. We're kind of entitled to that, right? Well, we're not really. On an annual basis, food prices are up 11.1%. Energy for the last year up 9.6%. So you're right, Charlie. Gasoline is still up a whole lot compared to a year ago. Are they going to go back down? Much of January's inflation surge came from a 2% rise in energy prices alone. Food prices in January up 0.4%. Goods and services up 0.6%. So inflation is, is real. You and I are feeling it when we go buy anything, but it is slowing Fortunately, or uh, else we would all be getting part-time jobs. Pat Petucci says, don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. In today's financial marketplace, a well-maintained portfolio is vital to any investor's success. And of course, as we've learned with market volatility and many of the challenges going on in the economy, it really takes ongoing, consistent regard for the investment choices you make, your appetite for risk, how often you revisit your choices to make sure that you stay on track to meet your financial goals. To take a look at four key steps to building a portfolio that is profitable, our host Pat Fatucci. And Pat, of course, this is a challenging issue because so often folks just say, well, I want to make money, which makes perfect sense. The problem is there's a bit more to it than that. It really takes a well-polished strategy, doesn't it? Yeah, you can't just uh, say, I'm going to buy some funds and put them in the bottom drawer and say, I'm finished. It's a continuing level of activity. It's the regularity of revisiting those decisions from last quarter or last year. And I think that's where people get a little overwhelmed. I mean, let's face it, this is a complex system. 
and we're all pretty tired. We're all working harder than we ever did. This economy that we're going through today puts extra demands on us. In many cases, our listeners are calling Craig and they're saying, you know, I'm working long days and taking work home and I'm doing extra work just to survive because that's the demands the corporation is under or my little company is under or whatever the issue is. Bottom line is, my goodness, you want me to now figure out if I should be in large cap or small cap or if I should be in domestic or emerging. So the appropriate asset allocation mix ends up being a very cavalier, distanced, disconnected approach to managing money. Yes, we are very dutiful in putting our 401k allocations every paycheck. Darn it, we're going to retire someday. But sadly, those allocations that they're going into may not have been adjusted or have been reviewed for months, maybe years. We have people come in and it's like a confession. I say, Pat, you're not going to believe this, but I'm sorry. I started on this company seven years ago, and I enrolled in the 401k, and guess what? I don't even know what those names mean, and I haven't touched them since I first signed up. Or the brainiac in the next cubicle said I should copy him, and I did. Meanwhile, he's 20 years younger than me, so his appetite for risk is very different. So we hear a lot of those very candid, very sad stories. But it's critically important, as you point out, in building a profitable portfolio, look at the volatility, Craig, we've seen in the last year. Let alone the last six months. And I suppose those that were the winners six months ago are probably not today. And those that are today won't be six months from now. There are clear and distinct studies that every quarter there is a different area of the market. We call them asset classes or we call them sectors of the economy. So what was great Last quarter may be horrible next quarter. Classic case is we read the newspaper of the last quarter's best performing mutual funds or whatever it is, or we buy that famous magazine. We're standing in line at Safeway and we buy, you know, here are the 10 best funds to buy. Sadly, we buy those funds. And that is the definition of rear view mirror investing. And historically, that is the absolute wrong way to buy funds. You don't want to buy last year or last quarter's winners. You've already missed it. You need to move on and progressively look forward, not look backward as to where the markets are going. And therein lies the real research, Craig, that most people don't have the time, the energy, the passion. They're busy. Busy careers, as I've mentioned. They're taking care of kids. Maybe they're looking after mom and dad. They've got to maintain a household and keep all those balls in the air. And now we want them to look at small cap versus large cap versus bonds versus mortgages. Come on, that's too tall of an order. And that's why, Craig, we're getting floods of calls in and we're getting hired to do that asset reallocation design. That's really important. Especially when you take into consideration the number of factors that we need to think about. Again, when we talk about a profitable portfolio, it's not just throw the dart at the wall and hope you hit the target. You have to take into consideration the fact that, for example, Pat, a single college graduate just beginning his or her career versus a 55-year-old married individual expecting to help finish off paying for a child's education and then retire in the next 10 years. Well, those are two entirely different strategies, two different appetites for risk, two different levels of need when it comes to short-term versus long-term income. 
And so these are critical issues that need to be taken into consideration. And then we get into issues like risk tolerance and the kind of asset classes that are right for an individual. It's no wonder that for the average individual just going to work and trying to pay the bills and hopefully retire someday, their eyes cross over and they just kind of give up or make a couple of choices in a 401k and then forget about it for years to come because it's just become too involved. The really thing we have to look at is how old you are and how much time you have to grow your investment. A youngster at 25 is very different from a 50-year-old in terms of risk level. And it's always that trade-off. It's a risk-return trade-off that we need to optimize your unique condition, your lifestyle. What's different about you? What's your money personality? We all have a money personality. It is clearly distinctive and uniquely different from your best friend, or sometimes even your spouse, Greg. Sometimes we find spouses have polar opposite views of risk, and some want to take a lot of risk, and some want to take no risk. Like all marriages, we compromise, but the worst thing we want to do is superimpose my risk level on you when there's differences in age and time until retirement and what I call a good night sleep factor. And so we've got to identify that, build a strategy, a strategic roadmap to retirement for you. Not just with retirement in mind, that's kind of misleading. Just building wealth. Maybe you don't want to retire. Some people say, I'll never retire. I enjoy what I do. I love what I do. It's not just a question of money anymore. It's really a question of creating wealth. I want to give my money away. I want to do fun things with it. I want to do charitable things with it. So there's a whole unique personality about you. And it really is important to define that and then build a roadmap going forward based on that issue. Can it also be a tiered or multi-layered, Pat, in the sense that, you know, the long-term goal for everybody, whether you're 20 or 65, is someday retiring, and when you reach old age, having enough money to enjoy what's left of your life and have all your needs met and maybe experience, you know, some fun things that you couldn't do while you were working, traveling overseas, whatever it might be. That's the ultimate goal for all of us. But then in between there, there might be perhaps other tiers, such as saving up to pay for a child's education, or maybe you have the goal of buying that dream home, a second home, things of this sort. So can also part of this strategy include multi-tiered goals within the overall money strategy? We really have three different areas that we look at. We look at long-term money, that's IRA, 401k money, and that typically has, depending upon if there's you know, five, 10 years or longer, it's going to have a very aggressive posture in terms of how we should posture those monies. Five, 10 years away, we want to get real aggressive. So those long-term areas should be aggressive. Then we've got midterm money. What I call midterm is three to five-year money. And we can take some moderate risk levels. You may want to do something with that money in five years from now. And we'll allocate more of a moderate risk level with that money. Then there's real short-term your immediate cushion, 12, 18, 24 months, maybe 30 months out. Very conservative. Could call up, get the money, and if your roof uh, leaks or your transmission falls out or if you have to take that emergency vacation to Hawaii or the kids need money for a variety of reasons, maybe mom and dad need money, that's the short-term money. So in each of these areas, we want to define risk level And the risk-reward relationship is very different for each of those areas. So even within one household, there are different areas of risk. And given the time element of each of those areas, we need to manage those monies a little bit differently. 
We've been talking about four steps to building a profitable portfolio, and one of the key issues, of course, is determining the appropriate asset allocation that works for you, your appetite for risk, and then getting down to some core issues, uh, the conservative versus aggressive investors. And then, Pat, once we've made those determinations, that brings us along to step number two, and that is going about achieving the portfolio designed in step number one. And boy, that gets into issues such as stock picking, bonds, mutual funds, exchange-traded funds. It gets a little bit uh, complex at that level. Well, this is where the rubber meets the road, Craig. You've got to uh, execute on this grand design. And frankly, it takes a lot of hours per week for those who are strapped with that element of time that so many of us don't have time for. Look, we do this 70, 80 hours a week, Craig. This is not a part-time job in in any stretch of the imagination. And given the market cycles that we've gone through, it's pretty apparent this job is not for the faint of heart. This takes serious concentration of time and brain power, failure to execute consistently. It's the religion of doing it. It's not I'll do it once at the end of every quarter and I'll take a snapshot of what's going on and guess at where we should be next quarter. I subscribe to one newsletter. I read one paper occasionally. That just isn't going to make it anymore. In the 90s, Craig, that worked. And it was really cool. Investing was pastime number one. Baseball was pastime number two. It really takes a much more conscientious effort. And the selection, whether it's exchange-traded funds or individual stocks or emerging markets versus domestic markets, or should I be in corporate bonds or government bonds? You know, these are the um, incremental decisions that collectively have a dramatic impact on the growth of that money. Just as an example, the compounding of those dollars is significantly better and exponentially higher. Put the power of compounding on your side, attempt to be in the right place at the right time. And if you're overwhelmed, you had to take your appendix out. You, you may try it, but it probably wouldn't work. It's a complex set of moving targets. We track about a hundred very subtle signals. They're called leading and lagging economic indicators, consumer price next, producer price next, housing starts, inflation numbers, the Silicon Valley index. There are a hundred of these very subtle rudimentary signals. And when you put them up on the board and you try and connect the dots, the picture is still a little fuzzy. A CFA to our business is like a CPA, a survey public accountant is to the tax business. CFA has to jump through a lot of hoops and study for about 10 years to attain that credential called CFA. They are responsible for looking at all those subtle rudimentary signals and collectively we're taking our best educated guess at where the markets are going. Yes, we get surprised occasionally like we did in the fall of 08 like we did after 9-11. We're always going to have those shocks to the system. But beyond those, we still need to manage appropriately, inject a diversification of assets that's prudent, suitable, unique, comfortable for each and every client. And based on that risk appetite, we are going to appropriately attempt to use that risk-reward relationship and get that person comfortable compared to somebody else who is comfortable with more or less risk. So it really is a multifaceted plan here in the sense that first we have to talk about what the goals are, then we have to create a strategy to achieve those goals and then execute the strategy with the opportunity to move and adjust along the way. I might liken it, Pat, to uh, preparing for the big Sunday game. 
They watch the films of the other team. They practice on the field. The coach talks about, well, here are the weaknesses of the other team. Here are the strengths. Here's what we can take advantage of. They come up with a strategy. Then they execute the plan out on the field the day of the game. And along the way, they're making adjustments. One guy comes in, somebody gets injured. They've got a new team guy that comes out and is really performing well. And so they have to be prepared during the course of the game to now work with and massage the strategy that they came up with a week ago to make sure that now in the execution, it takes that ball down the field and ultimately toward victory. That's a great analogy. There's typically the first 10 plays are scripted. They are exactly what they're going to do in the first 10 plays. After those first 10 plays, the guys up in the booth are adjusting. So at halftime, if they're down 27 nothing, guess what? They're changing the game plan pretty severely in order to execute differently in that second half to attempt to win the game. And that's a great analogy. We get surprises. What we thought our quarterback was going to be able to do didn't work, so we've got to adjust things. And just like in the markets, halfway through the year or a quarter way through the year, adjust based on what the reality is and what the market is throwing at us, what the other team is giving us in terms of a different defense, a different offense. The coaching is different from what it was in the films that we looked at, right? So we've got to make those adjustments on the field, on day of game, very much like investing. After the first quarter of the year, after the first six months of the year, how are we doing? If our roadmap to retirement is in great shape, wonderful. Minor tweaks is probably all that's necessary. But if we're down and the markets are up, what do we need to do to adjust the reality of where the markets are in conjunction with my risk level and execute accordingly? Take a moment, if you would, and just briefly give us a bit of understanding on some of the choices that are going into the execution of this strategy. We mentioned about stocks, bonds, mutual funds, exchange-traded funds. Give us a brief overview of each of those selections. Yeah, Craig, these are professionally managed areas that uh, really define a category, a grouping, a section of the market. So let's take, for example, large cap stock funds, large companies. There are mutual funds that address that. There are exchange traded funds, ETFs, which are basically low cost mutual funds that I can buy and sell throughout the day and be pretty nimble and moving quickly in and out of asset class. They have to stay within the definition of that mutual fund. So the guy or gal managing the large cap stock fund must maintain 100% of those allocations in large cap stocks. If they fall out of favor and that stock loses 20%, they have their hands tied. They cannot dilute that fund objective and start buying small companies, start buying real estate. They're pretty handcuffed. They must maintain the fund objective, which is large company stock what the heck's going on? Why did I lose so much money? I thought they were diversified. They're only diversified within the definition and the objective as stated in that mutual fund. It's up to you or your designee to make that decision. And I think that fact gets people in trouble. And so in our system, we do make those adjustments based on risk levels because mutual fund companies, they don't perform that function. We're depending on them to manage that sector very well. But when market conditions change, we need to reallocate to a different sector of the economy. So a diversity is really key. And we've selected the best of the best of those sectors. We think that is key. The same is true, by the way, Craig, of ETFs. ETFs, mutual funds, just a different kind of structure 
but they all kind of define a sector and they must stay within the sector. It's illegal for them to dilute that sector. That's the hidden secret that a lot of folks don't talk about that's missed. And ironically, that takes us full circle to a real important key, which has been the mantra that you have shared on this program since day one. It is the title of your best-selling book, Don't Invest and Forget. Once you've made those choices, you've developed a strategy, you've made those choices, you've invested, you can't leave it there. You can't assume that it's going to be just managed magically on its own. As we've learned from Pat Vitucci, it just doesn't happen that way. And Pat, this brings us to step number three, and that is the frequency with which we reassess or rebalance our portfolio choices. And and this, perhaps more than anything, is one of the real keys to either success or failure when it comes to planning for anything from medium-range goals like paying for a child's education, buying that bigger home, and, and ultimately toward retirement. The big issue is their passion in doing this. If you're dragged to your desk at home and you kind of half-heartedly open up your statements and just kind of throw your hands in the air, it sometimes one spouse is responsible, Craig, for doing it. Man or woman, it doesn't matter if it's a married couple. If it's single, then it's all on you. Some folks are very passionate and they do a lot of research. They do a lot of reading, a lot of analysis. They don't just subscribe to one or two newsletters. They subscribe to 10 or 12 and they're getting different views and They watch CNBC and they listen to my show and they maybe listen to a couple of other shows and get a cross section of opinions and then make their decisions. They execute. That takes a lot of energy, a lot of passion, a lot of interest. If you're not interested in this stuff, this is like, for me, it's like reading an engineering book. The whole idea of taking a calculus class, I think I took it in high school. I think I took it in college and I tried it again in grad school. Guess what? Calculus and I don't get along, Craig. I've just come to the conclusion that is a weakness of mine and calculus and I are not going to be best of buds. Sometimes managing money is as demanding and as overwhelming as my description of me and calculus. It's like hitting me in the head with a two by four. I can't get it to sink in. So we all have our areas of knowledge. And I interview a lot of very smart people all week long, Craig, whether it's a plumber, whether it's an orthopedic physician, whether it's a rocket scientist. I mean, I've been blessed with interviewing some very talented, sharp people. And guess what? They use my services because they know what they're good at and they know what they're not good at. And they know what they don't want to spend time on. I mean, there's an old saying, spend time improving what you're good at and delegate what you're not good at to somebody else. And if you're not good at balancing your checkbook and your spouse is, then they get the privilege of balancing checkbooks. So you're a great engineer. You're very knowledgeable. And when I walk into your building with all those wires and machines, it's like overwhelming. It's like you telling me to climb Mount Everest tomorrow when I'm not at all a climber at all. So you delegate these responsibilities to people who spend their life studying this stuff. Money is pretty darn important. If you want to ever enjoy financial freedom, ever enjoy retirement someday, to be cavalier and say, well, I don't want to spend uh, money to help my money get managed. So I'd rather just let it languish and let me guess at it. People come to the conclusion, you know what? I need professional money management. I'm tired of guessing at where my money should be. This paralysis analysis, I'm going to get to it tomorrow. Craig, it just many times doesn't happen. And of course, you know, it, it takes us full circle back to the notion of not only creating that strategy, continuing to mine the progress of that strategy, and then rebalancing as we move along in harmony with the changes going on within the market. 
And the challenge there, Pat, for example, is that when we rebalance, it's not just a matter of, okay, take a look at our choices, make a couple of other changes here and put it aside for another two or three years. We need to rebalance and do so strategically, which raises the question, okay, what are we moving out of? What are we moving into? What are the tax implications, for example, of the choices that we are making, which takes us back to that notion that there's a bit more involved in all of this than what might meet the eye at the surface. It's multi-layers. At the end of every quarter, I will visit my selections and then make allocations accordingly is too crisp, clean, and life doesn't treat us that way. We can move two times next week and three times the following week and not touch the allocations for a whole quarter. So it's never March 31st, aha, I wake up and say, okay, what should I do? Markets are moving. Those subtle signals, those hundred leading and lagging economic indicators are being adjusted and being read daily. The summary, the the totality of all those very subtle signals need to be understood, interpreted on a regular basis, and then decisions need to be made. 30 years ago, Craig, you can buy and hold, and it probably worked okay. Our grandparents retired on dividends from utility companies. It was a very quiet, very staid place. Everybody needed a utility. They needed telephone and electricity. Then the deregulation hit, and what happened? Now utilities are suddenly a much riskier place to be. Their dividend ability to generate consistent income was gone. What was great last year, five years ago, 20 years ago, is continually changing. The rate of change is much quicker. I read something like our society is changing exponentially so fast that it's going to get faster and faster and faster. So what took 100 years you know, 100 years ago is down to two months and it's going to be down to two weeks and it's going to be down to two days. Well, look, for example, in the manner in which we communicate for centuries, it was the written word in an envelope through the postal system. Along in the late 1800s came the telegraph, later on the telephone. And for the better part of 60, 70 years, the most convenient means of communication was by telephone. What was it like back in those days? Well, uh, one of these days we'll sit down, I'll tell you. (laughs) Then all of a sudden, Pat, we got into the digital age in the 1990s and it went from telephones to pagers to cell phones to the internet to texting now and all of a sudden in our palm we carry with us a device that allows us to communicate not across the street but across the globe in nanoseconds who could have imagined the amount of growth and progress in communications that we've seen not just in the last 10 years, in the last five years alone. I remember being in a computer room as a kid. I went to visit this company that had these IBM computers, the big uh, tape drives, noisy on raised floor because it had to be special air conditioning. And it was a room about the size of a basketball court. Move the clock forward 30 years or so, and now we've got that same computing power, as you mentioned, on our hip we carry around And if we're in tunnel or in a warehouse or in an elevator, we're communicating with whoever we want to around the globe. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal success. The same is true of the data we're getting to make those quick decisions. And the business acumen you bring to the table is critically important to interpret that data quickly and be in the right place at the right time. That's the goal of what we're talking about. All of this brings us to that key question. Are you a disciplined investor? Did you invest and forget? If, as we've suggested, you're in that camp of people that just feel overwhelmed by all of this, and yet you realize you need to be a good steward of your finances, you have to someday have enough money set aside to retire, but you're just not sure 
how to come up with that roadmap and how to get down the road toward that goal of retirement or whatever your financial goals might be, simply pick up the phone and schedule the complimentary financial health and retirement plan review. Take a look at your current strategy, help you develop one if you have none, and then make sure that you're on track. And if you say all of this is just simply too overwhelming, I need some help. It all begins with that one-on-one complimentary financial health review. Simply pick up the phone today and schedule your appointment at 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with author and investment advisor, Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of Bay Area offices of Atucci & Associates near you, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Or call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or visit don'tinvestandforget.com. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci and Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci and Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci and Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.